Hi, I'm Pastor Torrin Brooks, and welcome to Faith Christian Church. So glad you decided to join us today. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be looking through God's Word and finding ways for it to apply to our lives today. Hope you enjoy this morning's service. And Paul, in, in, in Romans chapter 9, starts off with declaring this very odd scripture. Now, he's just got done talking about how if God before us, who can be against us? If, and we are more than conquerors. He's, he's talked about the sufferings of this life cannot compare to glory. He's building up this great idea of heaven, this wonderful idea of who Jesus is, what he's done, what God has done. And then he goes into something like this. He says, I tell you the truth in Christ, verse, verse 1 of chapter 9. I am not lying, my conscience also bearing with me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For if I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and of whom according to the flesh Christ came, who is over all the eternal, blessed God. Amen. Now, that doesn't sound like Paul, does it? For a moment, here is this great, he's, he's building people up, he's encouraging people. He's just given a wonderful dissertation in the last seven chapters about the law and freedom and, and how the law brought on uh, punishment for sin. But thanks be to God who gave us freedom through the blood and through sacrifice that Jesus gave. So we don't have to be guilty under the law anymore. And yet here he is and he has this, this idea that he has this great sorrow and continual grief. Can I tell you, as long as people are on the earth, people will give us grief from time to time. Every time, I, 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 I hate to use my kids as an example, but they're there and they all I got. So, uh, but it never ceases to amaze me when I want the house clean. They always seem to find a way to keep it dirty. And just when I think I've got all the stuffed animals put out of reach of the dog. Why are you laughing? <laughs> he, he, he remembers that. <laughs> Bad memory. Uh, just when you think you got everything picked up and out of reach where it can't be shredded and stuffing flown all over the living room, I walk in and fluffing and stuffing is everywhere and the mangled refuge of a small stuffed animal which I thought had been put away was all over the floor. Now, these things are simplified, but in essence, Paul is, is on a more personal level when he says, I am... A person among all these people whom God has blessed. And yet in everything I do, not everyone tends to follow after God. It's a hard thing to stand before you every single week. And before the, the, I I can literally say now, hundreds of people that are watching at home. We've we've taken an unofficial count over time. Different people who have told us, and, and really over hundreds of people that are watching at home. And know that no matter what I say, week after week after week, some people are never going to change. Never. Sometimes, and I have talked to uh, just dozens of pastors who every week are frustrated because of either a lack of interest, a lack of motivation, uh, a lack of participation. And every single week, 
preaching their hearts out and never seeing anyone respond. I mean, it's one thing to respond to an altar call in a moment of, of, of emotional circumstance. It's another thing to walk it Tuesday afternoon after a hard day at work. Or to still be committed by Thursday evening when we've just been through almost an entire week and we know the worst day of the week is coming up tomorrow. To be able to see people that you minister to and you know, listen to you, preach the word of God, and they should be better and do better, and yet when you see them out in public, it seems like they never seem to change. I've talked to many parents who have grown children who are raised in church who seem to watch their kids slip further and further away from God. They know they've been in church. They know they have, they have uh, heard the Word of God. They've seen the Word of God in action, and yet everything they seem to do and tell their kids doesn't make a difference. And this is a real world we live in. You know, I can pray all I want to every single day, but in, in all honesty, one day my kids are going to have to make a choice, and I can't make it for them. And as much as I want to see them live for God, they, I can't make them live for God. And it seems more and more today, preachers and lay leaders seem to be finding themselves running out of gas trying to push the church by themselves. Trying to, to just motivate people till, they, till, their, till their arms fall off. Because they know the, the, the world out there that we need to reach with the gospel is too big for one man or one woman. And as much as we can use things like Facebook and Twitter and, and the internet to reach people with the gospel, it's still not the same as looking someone face to face and saying, you must be born again. And Paul is, is, is it, he's now, he goes from devoting his whole life to studying the Word of God to now devoting his whole life to explaining the Word of God because there's a difference between knowing stuff and, and knowing stuff. I, I confused some people one time when I said, you know, heaven is not up, it's up. I mean, I mean, you can't just say heaven is up because if you do, everybody on the South Pole is going to have to point somewhere else. <laughs> The thing about heaven is it is up, it's greater, it's grander, it's more glorious, it's, it's above and beyond anything we could ever ask or think. It's up, but it's not directional up. And you can know all there is to know in this book and have it memorized scripture for scripture, but that doesn't mean you know God. Paul goes from learning and studying the word of God to now telling everybody what it all means. He's had that connection between this is what he was, God was saying and this is what Jesus did to fulfill what God had said. And yet everywhere Paul goes, he goes first to the synagogues and tries to explain to God's chosen people, the people God has claimed as his own. He tries to tell them the truth about who Jesus was and what he did. And it seems every time he does, he gets run out of the place. Now, what kind of itinerant evangelist is that? <laughs> Think about that for a minute. The evangelist goes into his own people. 
That'd be like an assembly of God evangelist coming into church. He comes in and preaches and he gets booed out of the place. It's sad but true. Paul describes these people as, he says, uh, who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption. These are chosen people. They're people who we know God has called. He says, they pertain the glory. They've seen the glory of God. The, look, the people who uh, in the Old Testament saw the actual physical glory of God. And yet still with all this, they can't accept Jesus. They've had the covenants. And by the way, when he says covenants, he goes all the way back from Noah through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way through Moses, all the way up to the present day, and even the covenant that Jesus has with his disciples. How many of you know that was a covenant too? Very important one for us. The giving of the law, the service of God, the promises, the fathers. They have all this history, all this knowledge. They have all of this support. And yet it seems like they still can't grasp the idea that God wants them to choose Him. To make a personal choice. And Paul is so frustrated in Romans chapter 9. By, and he really, really works himself off of the pedestal, down onto the ground, into the muck, and says, I am so depressed that I would even go to hell so that you could go to heaven if that were possible. Now that's saying something. Can you think about that for a minute? This is, this is the guy who saw Jesus. After Jesus had ascended to heaven, this guy heard the audible voice of God. His life is changed. Miracles are happening around Paul. Lives are being changed. And he is, you know, he's pretty much guaranteed a spot in heaven now. And yet he says he would give that up if it would just shake somebody up to letting them know about the love of God. So if it were possible for me uh, uh, to to curse myself, in other words, separate myself from Christ so that others could come to know Him. I would, but it won't work. There's no sacrifice that I can do to make my children follow God. I can train them, I can lead them, I can teach them, I can make them memorize Scripture, but in the end, they have to make a choice. Paul will go on to talk about, in the same chapter, Israel's rejection of God. And it doesn't start with Jesus. It starts even in the wilderness. How many of you know, it wasn't long before Moses walked back up the hill to talk to God that they were making golden calves in the fire. It didn't take long for, uh, in fact, one generation is all it took from the time Joshua died for them to know. In fact, this is a horrible scripture. Judges, in Judges it says, And after Joshua grew up a generation that did not know the Lord, neither the things he had done for Israel. Think about that for a minute. Joshua, who lived through two generations, two cycles of people. Remember the first group that came out of Egypt? Every one of them died in the wilderness. So next time you have family members who are complaining or grumbling, just remind them, grumblers and complainers die in the wilderness. Well, it's true. I didn't make that up. But, but Joshua, the new generation grew up, 
And Joshua and Caleb led them into the promised land. When they died, the generation that grew up never heard the stories of God. Why? Well, I think it's that same old principle that happened with Paul. Because when people don't listen and don't accept, the people who are preaching the good news become weary and well-doing, and they feel like giving up. They feel like quitting. And i am be honest with you. That hasn't stopped today either. There are day after day after day when, when pastors all over the nation, in fact, I know of four pastors just in the last year that have quit. I'm not talking about quit their church and go find someplace else. I'm talking about said, I, I'm not doing ministry anymore. I am too tired. I am too hurt. And nobody's going to change. Why? Why? Because. Because they can't make people do what they want them to do. Then, then, then what do we do? Do you realize that the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, is supposed to be preached whether there are results or not? When Jesus is sitting on the, on the shore with Peter the apostle, do you remember this story? It was the second time Jesus showed him he was a better fisherman than Peter. Remember? Twice in the Bible. That's pretty bad when Jesus shows you up once at your job when you're a professional. It's pretty bad when he shows you up twice at your job when you're a professional. Second time Jesus catches more fish than Peter. Has to tell him where to find the fish. I think it's funny that God has him keep running to the other side of the boat. <laughs> so Jesus comes. You'll figure that out later. But... but I'm telling you, there's something to be said. Jesus pulls Peter aside and tells Peter, What's it to you? If everyone around here lives and you die, you follow me. And I've been thinking all week as I'm reading this, what makes Paul continue to keep going? Because Romans is not the last letter Paul writes. It's actually one of the first letters Paul writes. So what keeps Paul going? Can I tell you, I think the one thing that keeps Paul going through all of this, and it's the one thing that we need if we're going to keep loving people, is the compassion that comes from Jesus Christ. Compassion. Real, true, sacrificial love. Because when, when, you, when you think about what Paul is about to endure, as he's writing this, he's talking about how depressed he is. He's so sorrowful in heart. What makes him sorrowful? Paul has called on to that wonderful idea that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, Paul has not given up. Paul still believes there's hope. And I want to tell you something. I believe it too. Now, I know people will argue with me that, well, what about people who blaspheme the Holy Spirit? You know, there's no hope for them. I, you know, I've never met those people. Never met a single person in my life who has done something so wrong, God can't forgive them. And as long as they have breath in their body, you and I must have enough compassion in our souls to not give up on them. Paul, Paul is saying, listen, I have so much love for those people that are choosing to rebel against God. I wish I could trade 
my heaven for their hell. See, it's that kind of compassion that drove the early fathers of the church in the first century to go to certain death in order to preach the gospel. Do you know many of them, it's recorded in Fox's Book of Martyrs, it's recorded that many of them won people to the Lord on the crosses they died on. There was one of the apostles who preached for three days as he was dying up on a cross and saw hundreds get saved below him. As they came to appear, this guy who, for some reason, is still preaching Jesus, even though he's going to die, no angels are going to come save him. I think over the last several years, we have gotten in, this, uh, in, the, in the church a mindset because we've seen so many of the... This get tight. <laughs> Sorry. Now I can preach. We've gotten this mindset that, that God is this God who blesses those people who preach the Word and they have extravagant homes and they have extravagant lifestyles and these churches of 10 and 20 and 30,000 people and... All these people are wearing nice suits and they're all driving nice cars. And we think that the message of the gospel causes people to prosper. And we see these people who who constantly, one after another, also fall. Because the gospel was never a ways to, to make money. You know, some tried that before. I think it was Simon the magician. Well, even at the very end of, of his story in the, in the New Testament, tries to get Peter to sell him the Holy Ghost. Well, what was he in it for? For the money? To make a living? Listen, can I tell you that one of the hardest things to do in life is to follow Jesus Christ? You know what's even harder than that? It's telling people you're living for Jesus Christ and why you're living for him. And what he can do for them. If, if the story of the, of, the, of the parable of the sower is correct, only 25% of the people we talk to get it. Do you remember the story? Uh, 25% of the seed falls to the wayside. 20% of the, 25% of the seed falls into the rocks. 25% of the seed falls into the thorns. And only 25% of the seed falls on good ground. And you realize that, that's not good odds. Uh, I would think if I was a farmer, and 75% of the seed I was throwing on the ground ended up someplace where it wasn't going to grow, I wouldn't make very much money. That's not very successful. Do you know the problem is, we can't really change that. Because from, from that time till now, people's reactions to the gospel are still the same. Some hear it, they don't get it. Some never hear it, and they never get it. Some hear it, and they like it, but they can't live it, and then they lose it. And it hurts. But you know what? Compassion is supposed to hurt. You know, some of us ought to be crying when we see the news at night. We hear about injustice in the world and people that are being massacred just because of their faith or because of their place. Listen, I'm telling you, some of us ought to have so much compassion inside of us that we weep for those people. But you know what? We don't. Some of us are as cold as a stone. And we've made ourselves that way. We've made ourselves that way because we're tired of getting bad results. So we just stop talking so we don't get any results at all. 
I've known people that have, that, uh, that have had uh, so many uh, rejections in their life, they're tired of, of, of trying. It's kind of like a, a guy you knew in Tennessee who tried, to, tried for years to get a, a job at this one plant. He didn't want to work anywhere else. He wanted to work at this one plant. He tried, 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 and finally he just quit trying because he was never going to get the job. He just quit. He said, I'd rather, not, I'd rather quit trying than to be rejected all the time. Listen, we, when, when Jesus gave us the good news... It was never supposed to be one of these things that we just say, well, if it works, I'll keep it, but if I don't, I'll throw it away. We do that too much in life. I'm reminded of a young girl I went to high school with. When it comes to rejection, I always remember her because she wanted to go to University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And she was like me. She was one of those students that was around a... a, a B plus, I mean B minus C plus average student, and uh, she didn't have her parents didn't have any money for her to go to school. And uh, at that time, there was a scholarship search uh, thing online where you can go and and fill out dozens and hundreds of applications for scholarships. I remember her coming back to school and saying, "Hey, I found a thousand dollar scholarship. If you can prove your name is Dan." Not Danny or Daniel, just Dan. If you're a Dan, and you can prove on your birth certificate your name is Dan, the guy will give you $1,000 every semester. And I asked her one time, I said, Christy, how many, how many applications have you filled up for scholarships? She said, at count, 8,590. How many did you get? 17. Really? <laughs> Can you imagine all those envelopes coming back, rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection? Can I tell you, that girl never paid a dime for college. Because the 17 scholarships she did get paid not only all of her way, all of her room, all of her tuition, all of her board, but it also gave her about $10,000 extra spending money for four years. Because she wasn't afraid. She realized that in the end result, it was going to be worth it to go through what she went through to see the end. Can I tell you, listen, serving God may be one of the hardest things to do, but it's one of the most rewarding things to do ever. Paul is saying, listen, it's worth it to, to grieve, and it's worth it. And the church should remember and not lose sight of the fact, if we don't have compassion, we're not a church. Listen to me. I'll say it again. If we don't have compassion, we're not a church. Listen, church should equal compassion. Everything we do ought to be about helping others. Well, pastor, what if, what if I tell my family about Jesus and they just spit at me? Here's one for you. They spit at Jesus and he still died for you and me. I doubt your family's going to pluck out your beard and beat you with a cat of nine tails. We want to talk about suffering's sake. They may hit you with a stick, but you can run. You don't have to stand there and take it. I'm, I'm telling you something. Listen, what kept, what kept Paul going was he caught on to the compassion that Christ had for the lost. To where at the very 
beginning of this chapter, he says, you know what? My heart beats so much for the lost that if there were a way possible to trade my life for theirs, I would do it in a heartbeat. You know, earlier, Paul says that rarely does a good man lay down his life for someone. But Christ laid down his life for all of us while we were yet sinners. You know what? Jesus said the world's going to mock you. They're not going to like you. They're going to come against you every step of the way. But they did that to me too. So why are you telling us this, Pastor? I'm telling you because I don't want you to lose heart. Some of you I see uh, getting very weary in waiting. Getting very weary and holding out, very weary and volunteering for the church, very weary and trying to figure out where you fit in, uh, feeling like, well, I don't know if I should even try because if I try to start this ministry at the church, it'll just dwindle away like the rest of them. If I try to do this kind of obligation, I feel like I'm never going to be able to be successful at it. And I want to tell you, it's not about that. Living for God is about doing James makes it very clear. You can't be just a hearer of the word. You've got to be a doer too. And guess what? You will have days when you're tired. Wow! <laughs> you have days when you're tired when you come home from work, but you don't quit work. Some of you probably complain a lot about work. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I've heard already from some of you, but I'm going to tell you what. I know what, I know what it's like. You, you think I've never worked a day in my life. I've dug a lot of ditches to lay electrical pipe. A lot. And I worked in the heat of Tennessee. Laying down ditches. And I didn't have one of those machine things. I had a trenching tool. I hated that trenching tool. <laughs> and I, I, There's one building down there. There's enough blood of me in that building to make it a relation. I, I'm telling you. But I didn't quit. When it got hard. In fact, the only reason I left that job is to follow the will of God by going back to Bible college. We don't quit church and we don't quit ministry and we don't quit on God because it's hard. We keep doing it because it's right. And when all around us seems to be falling and failing, the only thing that will not fail you is Jesus. So why do we keep quitting on Him first? We need compassion. It's the only thing that's going to keep us going. It's the only thing that's going to motivate us to know that there is a lost and dying world and we have the gift in our hands of the gospel of Jesus Christ to give it to them. And they may not all accept it. But Jesus isn't going to stand one day in heaven and open up a book and go, well, let's see here if you pass the test. Because Jesus is southern. He says, well, let's see. Uh... You, you, you ain't got before, uh, you don't make it in. And, and he said, uh, and, and you, you over there, you got 200, so you get in. Good job. It doesn't work like that. Jesus is going to say, did you keep my commandments? Because he said, those that love me keep my commandments. Do you remember that? Jesus' own words, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus is going to say, did you do what I asked you to do? Were you obedient to me? Well done. Come on in. That's it. The results that you have aren't going to matter. 
You, you may witness to your family and never in your lifetime see them get saved. Jesus isn't going to hold you at the gate because you didn't win one person in your family, but he might keep you out if you never talk to them at all. There's a verse that says, if you stand up for me, I'll stand up before you, before my Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. I didn't write that. That's actually in the book, in red. <laughs> Sorry, I was Southern. In red. Some red letters. Amen? I, I, I don't want you to lose heart. What I want you to do is I want you to find a compassion that will keep you going. So when it is hard and everything else falls away from you, you can stand on the Word of God and know He loves you and He's on your team. You can go back a chapter and read chapter 8 and realize how much God loves you and He's for you and He wants you to do good and not quit. I read an article, and I'll close with this. I read an article the other day about a couple who've been married 58 years that finally just decided they've had enough of each other and they're getting divorced. 58 years. In the flesh, I, I wanted to say, just kill him. <laughs> probably cheaper. You know, 58 years, one of you is probably bound to die soon anyway. Don't, 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 don't stress out about that. But it's that attitude of quitting because love is not present anymore. And I'll tell you what, sometimes I think churches ought to be shut down if compassion is missing. When compassion is absent from the church, I think people ought to do a, do a little mental evaluation to see if the church is worth having. Because there are plenty of clubs to join. There are plenty of social organizations to make you... You can, give, you, you can join any social organization in Bellas Falls and find charities to give money to. Hello? The church is here to provide hope for the hopeless and compassion for those that don't believe love exists anymore. And we've got to be on our guard to not let ourselves get so depressed because things don't go our way that we want to quit. Opposite of that. We want to pray, God, would you fill us with so much compassion that every day our desire is, if I could trade my life to see souls get saved, I would do it. So glad you joined us today, but you really should visit in person. Service times are at 10 o'clock Sunday morning, 6 p.m. on Sunday night, and 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. We're located at 582 Rockingham Road. It's on Highway 5 across from Everyday Inn in Bellows Falls. You can also visit our website at www.faithchristianag.com. God bless you. Have a great day.